2 Corinthians 7, reading uh, verse 1 to verse 8. Therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Open your hearts to us. We have wronged no one. We have corrupted no one. We have cheated no one. I do not say this to condemn, uh, for I have said before that you are in our hearts, to die together and to live together. Great is my boldness of speech towards you. Great is my boasting on your behalf. I am filled with comfort. I am exceedingly uh, joyful in all, all our tribulation. For indeed, when we came to Macedonia, our bodies had no rest. But we were troubled on every side. Out, outside were conflicts. Inside were fears. Nevertheless, God, who comforts the downcast, comforts us by the coming of Titus. And not only by his coming, but also by the consolation with which he was comforted in you when he told us of your earnest desire, your mourning, and your zeal for me, so that I rejoiced even more. Let's just stop there for right now. So Paul, is, as he's concluding uh, are pressing on from chapter 6. Remember chapter 6 and verse 14 we looked at last week. It said, don't be unequally yoked with unbelievers. And so Paul has been encouraging the church, the church in Corinth, um, to be careful of the false teachers that had been coming in, speaking ill of Paul, and also looking at their lives and to say, listen, you and I need to be set apart. Notice verse uh, 16 through 18. Let's read those. It says, And what agreement has the temple of God with the idols? For you are the temple of the living God, as God has said. I will dwell in them and will uh, walk among them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is uh, unclean and I will receive you. I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord. And so as he continues, he says, having these promises, the promises are that I will be with you. And he says, listen, but I want you to be separate, separate from the world and separate to the Lord. And as he looks at those things, he, he, he lists both in verse 1, the flesh and the spirit. And basically what he's saying, both outwardly and inwardly. Separate yourselves from worldly thinking and worldly acting. Listen, when you look at your life being separated to God and what God has done for you, notice he says in verse 16 of chapter 6 that you and I are the temple of the living God. In other words, God dwells in us. God is with us. We shouldn't take that lightly. It should mean everything to us. And as it means something to us, it means that we are His and I want to be in this close relationship with the Lord. And I want to get everything else out of the way so that I can work on this relationship, this intimacy and everything else. You know, I was sharing last service, and I, maybe this illustration doesn't work, but I'll try it. I don't know, like, how you guys study. If you study at a, a desk, on your bed, or whatever else. And when you're studying, um, I remember both in high school and college, like, I needed my desk to be right. I needed the atmosphere around me to, to be right when I studied. You know, I needed, uh, I had a drink or something, and I, I you know, I had the chair just right. I had to, if, if I had clutter on my desk, I had to get that stuff off and everything else because if I, and here's the stuff, like, I had to even clean my room or put things away because I, I wanted to not think about those things so I can focus on studying or doing whatever else I need to do. And when you have the clutter and stuff, 
it's hard because it, it, it occupies your mind. You're thinking, I need to put that away. I need to clean. And you're like, I don't want to clean. I don't want to do this stuff. But when you do it, it's kind of like, ah, oh, this, this relief, this freshness that you feel. That it's like, okay, I'm not worried about that anymore. It's not on my mind. I don't need to because everything's clean, all that stuff. Well, this cleansing here in verse 1, it says, there are things in our lives, both inwardly and outwardly, that we have to look at to say, what in my life do I need to cleanse so that I can get intimate with the Lord and I can spend more time thinking about God and pursuing Him both physically and uh, inwardly, emotionally, uh, my thought life and everything else. And so this is one of the things that as Paul is addressing this to the church in Corinth, I want us to bring up right now for us is because he says perfecting holiness in the fear of God. The word perfecting in verse 1, it actually speaks of being complete. Like remember in 1 Peter, it tells us to pursue holiness. It says because God is holy, we should be holy. And it says, we do this in the fear of God, this love, this respect that we have for God, this understanding that God is who He says He is. Now, when it comes to the inward and outward, we got to understand, like in biblical times, there was the Pharisees and the scribes that were known for being religious and good people outwardly and stuff. But, you know, we don't know their hearts. We just know that they acted in a proper way. Then there was the Gentiles who didn't grow up. Uh, these people weren't religious, most of them, if they were, it was pagan religions. And they come to the Lord, and their lifestyle is changing and, and, and is about to change in a dramatic way from the inside out. And because they've experienced God's love for them and His grace, His mercy and stuff, everything in their life is changing. They're changing their lifestyle. They're changing their conversation. They're changing from the inside out. And this is something for us that we need to consider going, what in my life? Again, for some of you, you're growing up in church. And I say to that, cool, but so what? Like, what in your life, in your heart, needs to change to get you closer to the Lord? What is it in your life, physically, that you need to change in order to become more intimate with the Lord, to grow in your knowledge, your relationship with God? What's in the way? This cleansing. This cleansing, like, I don't know, anybody, uh, some of you don't drive yet, you don't have your own vehicles, but maybe you get paid to, like, clean out your parents' car or something. And one of the things, like, I, I have a, like, I like washing the cars. It's kind of stress relief. But um, recently I went over off Grove in the 60. There's a little car wash that you drive through uh, right by the Lowe's. And I go out there, and then outside is the, you know, you, you do the carpet cleaning yourself and whatnot. And I like it because the vacuum is so much stronger than my shop back at home and, and stuff. And there's something about getting all the sand out of my truck and all the debris and stuff out and just having this clean truck. There's something refreshing. There's something, I don't mind the dirt, but after a while it's like, okay, let's get all this out and let's get this thing cleaned up. And it's nice to have clean carpet, all the debris out and everything else and going, oh, but sometimes it takes a little more work. Like I have to you know, pull some of the trash up with my hands because it shouldn't be sucked in a vacuum. Maybe it's a wrapper, this and that. And then other times, like, okay, I got to get sand because I go surfing, all that stuff. And um, matter of fact, yesterday, I didn't surf, but I was at the beach. And it looked like if you guys have ever been to the beach in the midsummer or around 4th of July, it was like that yesterday. Like, it was so crowded down there that, like, we were going to go to Newport Pier. And 
we got a block down the street from PCH and turned around because it was so crowded. And I was like, nah, I'm just, so we just drove around a little bit and came back. Looking at our lives, what is it in your life that you need to clean up? Could be the little things. Again, sand, if you ever try to clean sand out of carpet, <laughs> it's not fun, right? You never get it all. You know, as much as you try, you never seem to get it all. Like, you're rubbing that thing, and then it sounds like bouncing and stuff, and you, you get it, try to get it to the surface of the carpet or whatever, and you try to get it up, but you're trying to get it all. And so you go over it several times. So what is it in your life that might be like sand? It's those little things that you think, like, it's no big deal, but it's those little things that are actually keeping you from getting closer to the Lord. Those things in your heart, those things that occupy your mind, it occupies your, 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 your life to a point that it's like, it's just there and you can't stop thinking about it. Maybe not every day, but often. Or what is it in your actions that needs to change in order for you to be closer to the Lord and grow in this knowledge, this understanding of God? Setting yourself apart from the world but setting yourself apart to the Lord. So thinking and acting different from the world. So those that don't live according to the word of God and then acting and living according to how God would want us to loving God, loving people. And it says from all filthiness. Remember this in first John one nine. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us of all of our unrighteousness. Listen, God wants to purify our hearts. Notice He says in verse 2, as, as Paul moves on, He says, Open up your heart to us. We have wronged no one. We have corrupted no one. We have cheated no one. And so He's defending Himself to the Corinthian Christians because these false teachers had come in and spoken lies about him. And in these lies, he's now what Paul's trying to do is bring this reconciliation in their relationship. And so it said in verse 4 that he spoke openly and boldly to them. Well, in chapter 1, our in first letter, 1 Corinthians, uh, remember he spoke very boldly to them. You need a change. Like you've been allowing sin in the church. You're allowing uh, a lot of things that you shouldn't do to happen, and you need to change. And so he spoke directly to them, and he had said, like, I don't want to speak directly to you, but I have to. And I'm doing it now so that when I come to you, I don't have to talk like this in person to you. I want our relationship to be one of building up and edifying and, and encouraging, but right now I have to clean house. I have to call you out. And so he did that in the first letter. But he also reminds us that his love for them he goes, number one, he says in verse two, I haven't cheated anyone. I, I didn't speak wrong. I didn't do anything to cause the commotion that these false teachers are saying that I did. And he goes in and, and he's trying to remind them. He goes, so my heart's open to you, but I wish you would open up your heart to me. Because I really believe God wants to heal and reconcile our relationship. And he says in verse 3, I do not say this to condemn, for I have said before that you are in our heart to die together, to live together. And so what he's saying is, he's trying to make them understand, I love you. And I know that your lives have changed and transformed as unto the Lord. 
And because of that, it gives me great joy. I love hearing that you guys have this relationship with the Lord. But I hate the fact that there's this tension because you think I'm a certain way and you know that I'm not, or at least you once knew, but you're believing the lies from these false teachers. And he eventually is going to say, like, you know what's great? Verse 6, like, when Titus came back to first encourage you, find out how you guys are doing, but then he brought back good news to me that you guys still have this heart, this relationship for me, it meant everything. Listen, we need each other. We need each other through everything that we're going through in life. You know, I was sharing last service, there's a friend of mine, Michael. He was in our youth group years ago. He's 29, he's about to turn 30. And uh, he called me, he lives in Pennsylvania. He used to uh, live out here, but he moved to the East Coast and called me uh, two days ago. It's like, hey, can you just pray for me? Like, I'm trying to move back this way. Um, life is hard. Life is crazy. Life is hard. And in order to move back, I have to sell my possessions, get a bus ticket, and move back. And my aunt said she'll take me in. And I have some things. Yeah, let's pray. And the fact is that Michael, being 29 years old, sat in the same seats that you did, or you are, and and and. Here he is, you know, 12 years out of high school or so, still calling, still checking in with me. Knows that, like, he trusts me to, to, as he shares his heart with me, like, that I'll pray with him. And we'll, we'll lift his needs before the Lord and all that stuff. And we'll talk every couple months or so. And this whole thing is this openness. Knowing, listen, notice what he said again back in verse 2, which he didn't know what. Paul's saying, listen, when I came to you, I didn't come to you saying, hey, look at me. I want to take from you guys. Everything was about me giving to you, giving you the Lord, encouraging you, building you up, reminding you. This is what a minister is. This is what a minister does. I didn't come to take things from you. I come to have this relationship with you and to know, to leave knowing that you have this incredible, at least beginning, if not uh, pursuit of this relationship with God. That's what I'm concerned about. I'm concerned that these false teachers have come in and said otherwise. And I can tell you, like, just to make it a little more personal real quick, is this. As a youth minister and a youth minister for many years now, the number one thing I care about is that you guys walk with the Lord. Not just now in high school, but when you graduate and for the rest of your life. It's, I don't care if it's here at Chino Valley, if it's in another state, if it's wherever it might be, but that you walk with the Lord, that you have a relationship with the Lord, and that you try, you make every effort to pursue Jesus. It isn't about you being here at Calvary Chapel, Chino Valley, or whatever, which, love that, glad you're here, everything. I don't want to make it sound like I want you to go. But what matters most is that you and Jesus have this relationship. But I want to ask you to think about what is it in your life that might be hindering that? Is it people? Is it a person? Is it things? What is it? What is it in your life that hinders you from getting closer, more intimate with the Lord? Is it your own sin? What is it? As Paul is wanting to build this ministry of reconciliation with the churches, again, he says, I want us to cleanse ourselves. Notice he didn't say, you need to cleanse yourself. He puts himself in the same category. We need to cleanse ourselves from the filthiness of the flesh. 
and the spirit perfecting holiness and the fear of God. Listen, we need to. We, the team, we need to pursue God as a, as, together. And I, I, listen, I believe this is one of the most important things for us as a high school ministry. The leaders, myself, you guys, as a family, as a team, like we need to grow together, to build together, to be there for each other. Open your hearts. He says, I don't say any of these things, verse 3, to condemn, for I've said before. Notice he says, to die together, to live together. Listen, we want to pursue the Lord, and if the Lord were to take us home, okay. If the Lord were to cause us to do ministry together, then let's do ministry together. One of the things that's awesome is that we can just do that. I love seeing God use you guys in ministry, pursuing the Lord and God using you to share with other people. So we cleanse ourselves. We set ourselves apart unto the Lord. And we pull ourselves from the things of the world. And so Paul was very open in his heart, and he wanted them to be open. And so in verse 4, he says, Great is my boldness of speech toward you. Great is my boasting on your behalf. I'm filled with comfort. I'm exceedingly joyful in all our tribulation. See, the first encouragement Paul received was from the coming of Titus, that they had been separated themselves, that they had, after he called them out in, in 1 Corinthians, they listened and they did it. They, they, they repented and they cleansed themselves and they heard. You know, it's one of those things like, I can tell you guys, listen, as, as a, your youth minister, when I teach and I share things with you, my heart for you is that you would get this, that you would apply it, and there's a reason, right? It's not just like a school teacher, like, here's some information, like, you know, I want you to love English like I love English. I want you to like math because I like math or whatever. No, like, no, this is for our life. These are tools to equip you for life, and you will need these things each and every day. How to face life, how to face your fears, how to, you know, whatever it might be. You know, one of the questions that had come in the other day on our texting app that we have for you guys, somebody asked the question, do I think that people are drawing closer to the Lord or not uh, through COVID and everything's happened in our society? And I said, I don't believe I see people drawing closer to the Lord. I think there's still a lot of fear. I think between COVID and politics and the presidential things and everything else, I don't see Christians like stepping up and like, let's serve God. Let's give people Jesus. Let's, let's love on people. Let's share the gospel. You know what I've heard? I heard people say, if you, if you don't vote for Trump, you're not a Christian. I saw people post stuff like that. That's ridiculous. Show me that in the scripture. Isn't that crazy? I'm not pro-Biden and pro-Harris, but to say that, that's not what the Bible teaches. But Christians will say stupid things like that, thinking they're doing God justice. In reality, going, you're not drawing people to Jesus. That's, not, that's trusting in a man. That's not trusting in the Word of God. It's ridiculous. What we need to do is point people to Jesus. Notice what he says in verse 5. He says, For indeed, when we came to Macedonia, our bodies had no rest, 
Listen, verse 5, if you have your Bible, look at it, please. But we were troubled on every side. Outside were conflicts, inside were fears. Paul, the one who God used to write most of the New Testament, he says, we were troubled on every side. Outside of us were conflicts. Inside of us were fears. That's heavy. The stress, the pressures of life, everything around him was chaos. And he goes, the thing that comforted was Titus coming saying, you guys are seeking God. You guys are doing it right. Not that you're perfect, but you're trying. That's what brought him relief. With all the fears, with all the conflicts, with all the troubles, the thing that comforted him, the thing that brought him from being downcast to strong was knowing the pursuit of the Corinthian Christians of doing the right thing and seeking the Lord and cleansing themselves, purifying their lives and seeking the Lord. Listen, this is what it's all about, you guys. Is life hard? Yes, you know that. Will life be stressful? Yes. Is it going to get any easier? I hope so. I think we'll have pockets at least of times where it's easier. But there's still so many unknowns, unknowns with COVID, unknowns with political things, unknowns with life, unknowns with health. Listen, the memorial that I did on Thursday, the lady was 70 years old and she passed of COVID. She had COVID for two weeks. Um, she was diabetic. It took her life. But just a few months ago, her and her husband moved into a brand new house in Arizona. In other words, she had plans. She had a future. She was thinking about her future. She's not thinking about passing away. She wasn't unhealthy to a place. Like, she was healthy enough, like, let's buy a new house. Let's move next to our son's house. Like, let's, let's live life. And this happens in the stress. And one of the things that it reminded me of was not being in control. Not being in control is, is very interesting. Now, some of you drive. Some of you don't. Some of you maybe understand this. Maybe you don't. I drive everywhere I go with my family, with everybody. I'm usually the driver. Thursday, I had to take my truck into the shop. It wasn't going to be ready till Friday. On Thursday, the dealership gave me a, a Uber home. You know, that's what they're doing now instead of a shuttle. And the guy who picked me up is nice, a Land Rover, a nice car and stuff, picks me up at Sunrise Ford in Fontana and brings me home to Chino. Sit in the back seat. The guy in front who's driving, I don't know if he spoke much English. Um, his GPS was in Spanish and stuff, and he's driving. And I'm sitting in the back seat going, I don't know this guy. And I don't know how he drives. I wasn't worried about being robbed or anything like that. I'm talking about driving. Soon as we pull out, he breaks real hard, and I'm like, oh, no. And then we get on the freeway, and it's a lot of traffic, and then he'd switch lanes, and he'd break real hard. And then we're trying to get on to the 15 from the 10, and if you guys been over that way, it's, it's construction and stuff, and it's kind of crazy. And, and he shoots over, and he gets between two big rigs, and then he breaks real hard, and I'm like, oh, no. Like, oh, no, get me home. Because I had to go home, get a shower, put on a suit, and go do a memorial. So I'm like, I don't want it to be the day of mine. <laughs> like, come on there. When you're not in control, it's scary. 
my feet are used to the gas and the brake, and I know I can drive crazy. And if you've ever ridden in me, in my truck, you might feel like, oh, he drives crazy. But for me, I'm thinking, but I'm in control. I know how much gas to give. I know how much brake to give. I know how my truck handles. I can do this. And if you've ridden in my truck with me, you might be like, oh, he drives scary. Maybe. <laughs> but it's not scary to me because I'm in control. But life, when you feel like you're not in control, is scary, isn't it? It, it could be. This guy, again, real nice guy, got to talk to him, blessed him, you know, like those little tip and, you know, all this stuff. He, he actually was a good driver. But I was thinking about that going home, going, man, like it feels really weird to sit in the back seat. It feels really weird to not be in control of a vehicle when I'm in the vehicle. And yet I have to trust this guy to get me home safely, a stranger. I probably would have trusted him more if I knew him. Wouldn't that make sense? But I don't know him. I know he's probably, you know, background check, whatever, right, in order to drive for Uber. But, like, I have to trust this stranger to get me home safely. When you and I trust the Lord, it's going to be a lot easier to have him get you through life than not. My brother's surgery on Friday, nine hours, nine hours surgery. At five in the morning, he had to be at Loma Linda Hospital. My mom and sister-in-law, nobody in the family was allowed to go in the hospital because of COVID things. They literally just pulled up to the front door, let my brother out, prayed with him, sent him in. He's been in there by himself. They've been able to FaceTime him a couple of times, but, um, which is kind of cool that he's able to talk and go through them. But it's kind of scary, right? You're just dropping him off and you can't be there with him. When he wakes up, you can't be there with him as he's there. I get the COVID thing, but I also don't understand. Like, nurses and doctors come and go. Like, why can't my sister-in-law be tested? And anyway, <laughs> let her stay with him. But just thoughts. But my brother's life was in the hands of the, the surgeon and the nurses and everybody else. And I've asked the leaders and you guys, and by the way, thank you, the staff here to pray. Parents have asked their friends, and my sister-in-law's asked friends, and we've asked a lot of people to pray. And you know what prayer did? Didn't take away my brother's cancer. The surgeon wasn't able to get it all. But it did comfort my sister-in-law. It did comfort my mom. It did comfort my brother. It has helped in so many ways, knowing that people are praying and coming alongside and going, we care. Even today, I had some of the staff going, how's your brother? I was thankful that they're praying and thinking of him and saying, Lord, continue to heal Dustin's brother, this guy I've never met. Trusting God, trusting God through all these things. And what Paul is trying to tell the church, he goes, listen, you, these false teachers are coming and saying that I've done wrong to you, that I'm somebody that I'm not. And he goes, no, no, no. He goes, you know that I haven't wronged you. And my conscience is clear. But I have gone through so many stressful things, verse 4 and 5. And he goes, I'm joyful when I think about you. He says, Great is my boldness of speech towards you, verse 4. Great is my boasting on your behalf. I'm filled with comfort. I'm exceedingly joyful in all, all tribulation. You know, one of the things, you guys, I could say when it comes to our, our high school ministry, probably one of the most critical people concerning this ministry is me. But one of the most loving people and the most thoughtful person in this ministry is me. Why? 
because I'm the only one who's been here for 20 plus years as the high school youth minister. I've had leaders come and go, I've had people come and go, but I've been here. And that's not a boasting, I'm just saying like my love and my heart is this thing. Have I been discouraged? Yes. Have I dealt with critical things? Yes. Have I seen good and bad? Yeah. And I've acknowledged all those things. The, the, the most amazing thing though is that when we're healthy as a ministry, we grow. We grow numerically because we grow spiritually. And I don't care. It isn't about the numbers. I promise before the Lord, like, I never wanted to be. I always wanted to be about, how are you and Jesus? How are you and Jesus individually? How's your life with the Lord? Are you growing? Do you feel loved by Him? Are you encouraged? Are you? And sometimes being encouraged and being built up means, listen, you're going to hear from me sometimes, like, stop it. Knock it off. Like you're in sin. Stop. You need to repent. You need to get right with Jesus. Why? Because he has something so much better for you. And there are times I need to hear it too. Listen, again, verse 1, when Paul says, let us cleanse ourselves. Let us take off and get rid of things in our lives that need not be there so that we might grow closer, stronger, not only to the Lord, but to each other. And he goes, we, we went through conflicts. We went through fears. Notice verse 6. Nevertheless, God, who comforts the downcast, comforted us by the coming of Titus. God brought us strength. You know, it's interesting. I don't know if you've been to Memorial. Memorials are hard to do. Memorials are super hard for the family because when you have a loved one who passes, and maybe you understand this, you go through so much emotions, laughters and tears at the same time, right? In the same sentence, you could laugh about a story and then cry about it. Right? You know what I'm talking about? Like, oh, this, oh, my grandpa was like this, and, and oh, but I miss him. Oh, he did this, and he did that, and you're laughing. Oh, he was, you know, and yet then you'll tell us something like, oh, he did this, and it just, or this reminds me of him or her or whatever, and it just, it gets overwhelming, right? So same moment, you're laughing, and the same moment, you're crying, and it's overwhelming. And yet there's comfort of knowing like when friends and family, the memorial I went to on Thursday, there were people that come from Texas, Arizona, and California that I knew of that were there. One lady says, oh, we've been best friends since elementary school. She was 70 years old, so like that's a long time. We've stayed together. We've been friends this whole time. And oh, I could tell stories. And she didn't get into a lot of stories because we didn't have time, but she's like, I could tell stories from elementary school till now. It's a long time, 70 years, right? And yet, when we look at these things, like that sticking together, that building up, that encouragement, that lady being there was a comfort to the son and daughter and the grandkids of the lady that passed away. Because she was saying, I know your mom. I know your grandma. I know her. And I've known her since she was a little girl. And I can tell you what kind of person she was. You know her but I know her in this way. And that brings comfort and strength going, oh, grandma wasn't just like this with me. She was like this with her friends. And there's comfort in knowing like how people are doing. And what Paul is saying as a church, as a body of believers, one of the things we have to do is build one another up. And he says, Titus came and encouraged, comforted. Notice it says in verse seven, not only by his coming, but also by the consolation with which he was comforted in you when he told us of your earnest desire, your mourning, your zeal for me, so that I rejoiced even more. I love this. 
What he's saying is, I wrote to you this letter to build you up, to encourage you. I wrote to you 1 Corinthians to correct you, to help you in ministry, in your relationship with the Lord. And I'm writing this to comfort you now and remind you, stay strong, stay focused, be careful. These false teachers that are coming in, leading you astray. Life's hard enough. Keep it simple. Keep your eyes focused on the Lord. And don't let other things get in the way of that. Romans 6 says, should we continue in sin that grace may abound? It says, certainly not. How can we who have been set apart, cleansed from sin, continue in it any longer? But we also look at the scriptures where it says, now we're to be holy as Christ is holy. And when we look at our lives and we're to build each other up and we're to walk in this holiness and this purity and we look at our lives going, man, Lord, I want my life to count. I want it to matter. And God wants to pour in you. He wants for you and I to see ourselves differently. I was talking to somebody recently and they were saying how their loved one is hurting, hurting themselves physically, try to take their life, all these things. And I said, I just wish they would know their worth, that they were fearfully and wonderfully made, that God has a plan and a purpose for their life. And the parents were saying, us too. They said, well, we don't know what to do because we keep trying to invest this into our loved one, but they won't receive it. And I said, we'll just never stop. And we'll keep praying that they will understand because they see themselves outwardly as ugly, insignificant, all these other things. And inwardly, it has just ravaged their heart and caused corrosion. And they're not letting anyone, not their parents, not anybody come in and help them. They don't feel loved by themselves. They also won't allow others to love them. And it's hurt their relationship with God. It's hurt their vision of who God is, their understanding, their insight of who God is. And one of the things I want to point out to you guys this morning is this. God brings people into our lives like he brought the Corinthian church, like he brought Titus to comfort Paul, that Paul might continue to build them up, encourage and strengthen them, that together they would walk together, they would serve God together. Through conflicts, through fears, through cleansing and saying, I want to be a better person. Pray for me as I build my life. And I want you to be a better person. I'm going to be praying for you that you build your life and that you and I would take things in and out of our lives out of our lives, what is it that I hang on to emotionally I need to let go of? What is it I hang on to physically I need to change? What is it in my life that I need to pursue in order to be healthier, especially in my walk with the Lord? Now, it might be, listen, you guys, maybe all you listen to is secular music and you're not pouring in godly music into your life. Worship. You know, one of the things this morning I said first service was, I thought the songs that Carlos picked this morning were perfect. I just, I, I thought it was a great worship set this morning. And, uh, you know, just entering into that time of presence of worshiping God. And then this Bible study of learning to, like, separate yourselves from the world, separate yourselves to God, cleanse yourself. It's hard because in order to teach it, I have to think about it myself first. I have to pursue the Lord, and I have to say, Lord, take those things in my life out that you don't want. And Lord, put the things in my life that you need and want for me. And sometimes that isn't fun because sometimes we hang on to things that we don't want to let go of. Things that we hold of value that the Lord says, that was the past. That's something you need to let go of so that I can put something better in its place. 
You have to think about your life right now. And as I conclude, I want you to do just that. What is it in your life that is keeping you from getting even closer, more intimate with the Lord, physically and spiritually? In your walk, in your relationship with Him, what is it in your heart, on your mind, that you need to let go of? What is it in your actions that you need to change in order to make room for your relationship with God to grow and flourish? And may you be built up today. May you be encouraged and know that God has a plan and a purpose and wants to comfort you. We'll pick up at verse 8 next time.